You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. John Paramore has probably forgotten more about the rules of golf than most of us know. In a career which spanned nearly 45 years and ended with him being the European Tour's chief referee, he was the familiar face in the buggy racing round the world's biggest tournaments dispensing his considerable knowledge. But while the rules can become second nature to those who've spent a life immersed in them, for many of us at our clubs they remain a thing of mystery. Whether it's struggling to understand the technicalities or put off by the prospect of delving into potentially hundreds of pages of text, it can be difficult to wrap your heads around what's required to play the game as it should be. In our Rules of Golf Explained video series, which you can find on our website nationalclubgolfer.com and on YouTube, John has been breaking down common rules situations and giving you the benefit of his experience. And this week, as my guest in the From the Clubhouse podcast, we're going to get into how you can make understanding the rules easier and make your game more enjoyable. John, welcome to the From the Clubhouse podcast. Thank you. Uh, how are you enjoying the last few months? Obviously been um, a little while now since you stepped down as the European Tour's chief referee. How are you finding, it's not quite retirement, is it? Not totally, not yet. Um, it's it's quite interesting not setting the alarm for sort of four, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, that's quite a pleasant change, I'd have to say. And, um, and also, um, even though I used to love flying, um, I think with the various challenges of flying today, it's something that I think I've cured myself of. So uh, so not having to get on an aircraft is is also a pretty, pretty good, good thing. But uh, of, of course, I miss so many of um, our uh, pals out on tour, you know, the players, the caddies. Um, we're all part of a big family, really. And then the sponsors and, of course, the general public. Um, you know, I've uh, I've always tried to make myself available if if I've got spare time to to anybody in there and their questions. And uh, I like to have a bit of interaction with them. But uh, of course, that I, I am missing. So so things have uh, have changed a bit in my life, but um, I'm uh, I am enjoying having a quieter time. And I made a little bit light of it, but you are carrying out a very important role for the RNA as an ambassador for their new rules qualification and mentoring the next generation of top class referees. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it's it's really in its infancy. It's only just uh, just been released, um, but uh, the RNA run run a very uh, good sort of progressional uh, rules education, um, both online and at uh, and at St Andrews, which takes you through the various different stages. And uh, when you get to to level three, take the level three exam, which is part of the the Taunt Administrators School, Taunt Directors and Administrators School, uh, TARS, um, then, you know, you if, if you pass that, you 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 know your onions. You've got a you've got a fair chance of of being able to help and make a difference. And um, 
the only thing is, does that make you a qualified referee? And certainly a lot of people have assumed that it does, but not necessarily. You know, the referee does does uh, more than that and he has to see certain things. And um, and, and 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 being observant is, is, is one of the the hardest things to to try and uh, get people to do. You know, they, they get so wrapped up in in the actual um, the business end of the ruling. Uh, they're not actually watching what's going on. Well, of course, you've got to watch and listen. And uh, I've always used uh, an old adage uh, to to my colleagues that, uh, you know, you have one mouth and two ears. You should remember that ratio and uh, that will help you a lot in life. And even though I I am jabbering on at the moment and not using them perhaps in the right uh, ratio, um, if you do find out and you and you look, use your eyes, you look, um, you can find out a lot about what's going on, which will give you a good, you know, sort of base for giving your ruling. Yeah, we, we'd never ever think about a footballer going into a game without being match fit, um, and and that is can can be the same case for referees, isn't it? I mean, I know from my own experiences of of starting to go through this path. You know, the opportunity to get practical experience in refereeing is sometimes difficult, and yet practical refereeing, particularly when you know you're at the level of the European tour or you know you're in major championships is the really vital thing, isn't it? The experience of making rulings under pressure and doing that. Yes, it's it's um it it, it can be difficult, it can be daunting. And uh, people have, have always asked me, you know, do you ever get nervous? I said, well, only about every time I go out. Um but I've I've, I've always felt that if you don't have that little bit of nervousness, the, the apprehension, uh, then it doesn't uh, doesn't keep you sharp. And um, so so I don't mind having a little bit of nerves. But once I'm, I'm there in the cart on the golf course and you get that first ruling over and done with, you know, it's it's then you're kind of dealing with uh, with with everything that goes on at a golf tournament. Yeah, I'm still at the terrified stage at the moment. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get through that in due course as we're sitting here. I'm sat looking at the official guide to the rules of golf. It's a massive book. It's 520 pages. It's the definitive um, guide to the rules and all of their interpretations and committee procedures and so on. But that's a really daunting prospect for a club player who is um, looking to um, improve their rules knowledge and and even perhaps the uh, the rules of golf themselves. 200 pages are more than perhaps some people would be either prepared to or want to go down. So, I mean, if, if I was um, uh, a club player who is looking to improve my knowledge of the rules, I mean, where do I get started? How do I learn the rules of golf? Um, well, I think I can tell you how I started to learn the rules of golf and that was from playing with with somebody and them guiding me through the various different stages of, of the do's and the don'ts um you know that's kind of how it works and um you know you you go on from there it, it, it's the experiences you of, of seeing people and getting things wrong and, and them telling you that you've got it wrong that makes it um you, you know you start to understand I would say the vast majority of people who play golf have got a pretty good understanding of the rules of golf. Um, sorry, no, they've got good knowledge of the rules of golf. Let's let's leave it with knowledge. Understanding. Now that's that's a different part of it. And it's it's 
understanding what um, the almost, well, most people can actually quote bits from the rules book uh, without actually, you know, maybe having a, a look in the rule book ever before. But they know things. You know, we, we all know that we tee up behind the, the two T markers. And most people get that right. But do you know exactly the limits of the teeing area? Um, you know, that is something that you will find in the definitions of the rules of goal. Um, so things like that, going to the definitions, which is a much smaller section, even though in 2019 it got quite a bit bigger because a few more defined terms. If you go in there and you read those terms, which won't take you that long, to be honest, you know, it might take you 10, 15 minutes. If you read it two or three nights in a row, you'll start to understand what they mean. And then you'll understand what the rules of golf mean. I mean, I think most people know that you need to make a stroke at the ball on the first tee to get it into play. And, um, you know, if, if you don't make a stroke at it, um, then the ball never becomes in play. The definition of a, of a stroke is the forward movement of the club made to strike the ball. So if you don't have the intention, the, the, the wish to strike the ball, then it's not a stroke. And so, therefore, in the instance we've used, the ball uh, doesn't become in play. Um, so it's, it's advisable to know the definitions because that will help you understand the rule. Yeah, for, for those people who might not be familiar um, with the layout of the rule book, the definitions are uh, in the back of the rule book. Um, behind the 24 rules. They cover all kinds of things in alphabetical order. I'm, I'm looking at them at the moment, seeing um, uh, relief area, scorecard, what a serious breach of the rules. As you can see, I'm doing it alphabetically as we speak, but, but um, that is certainly um, how I started learning the rules. And um, that was because you told me to do that, John. So thanks again for that. But um, especially when you get into the 24 rules, the rules themselves, refer to the definitions in italics don't they in so many places that actually you know if you don't do it that way around if you're trying to do it from one to 24 you get the wrong end of it don't you well you can so easily if you, if you don't understand what what the defined term means how can you possibly understand the rule that you're reading so it's so it it is very important and then suddenly when you know what the defined terms mean then it makes the reading of the rule much easier um, so it's it, it, it's cart and horse. If I was to say, what do you do first? Definitions first. Once you've got those, um, which I promise every single person, cross my heart and hope to die, it will improve your experience so much if you know those definitions. Um, um, well, I, I'll ask them to write into you and 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 tell you that I'm not uh, I'm not wrong. But it's, it, it really will help you in, in understanding the rules of golf. Golf is a simple game, but it's unbelievably complex as well because of the arena in which it's played. There are all sorts of different circumstances that can arise. And, and uh, dealing with some of those is um, what the 24 rules attempt to do. Um, you were involved in the uh, 2019 rules changes. So thanks for reducing it to 24, because it used to be a lot more. Um, 
you so you, you've got a really good insight into how these rules have been put together and why they are as they are so if you just try and take me through um, the genesis of the 24 rules and, and why we uh, why we play to this particular code I think Steve the easy way to start this is is that thankfully a lot of people a lot of golfers um have been watching our game and in fact a lot of non-golfers have been watching our game um when they've when it's been on tv and they see things that go on there and sometimes you hear um uh, somebody saying well that's a stupid rule and i don't understand that rule and things like that every time that's said someone takes notice and um you know, it, it probably isn't a stupid rule at all. In fact, it's probably the player being a little bit stupid if it, if I was to be honest. Um, but people do take notice and we don't want our game uh, and ending up in disrepute because, you know, everybody thinks that the rules are stupid. They're not. Um, they're complicated. Yes. And the idea was that the rules had not had, had a complete review for, for quite a number of years. And it was felt that by uh, both the RNA and the USGA that it was about time that a full re review was undertaken. And um, there were um, uh, some extremely bright people um, who formed those committees. I was kind of an additional person who who didn't have to go to all of the meetings I went to one or two um, but Andy McPhee my colleague uh, actually sat in and worked with the committee on uh, the full breaking down of the um, uh, the rules that we had um, uh, the previous set of rules stripping it all back to the very very bare bones and the start of what we knew as the first rules of golf OK, let's try and find out what this really means and why it's there. And is it does it still have relevance today? So that's what they did. So it, it was a massive, literally clear it all out and start again. I always um, kind of uh, describe the rules as, as a bit like I, some of your your older viewers and listeners will, will understand what I what I say, a Meccano kit. It used to be. Uh, sort of a, a lot of metal pieces that you would build into either a vehicle or a building and you'd keep adding things to it and bolt, bolting them with with small nuts and bolts and you keep on adding things you wouldn't take anything away but you keep kept on adding things and that's what happened to the rules of golf and that's why I think they became quite complicated you know, once you had a rule, then suddenly you'd have an exception to that rule and then you'd have an exception to the exception, and then an exception to the exception to the exception. That becomes quite um, difficult to understand. I'm not saying that they're, they're no longer there because there are still uh, quite a few exceptions there, but it was felt we need to change the way these rules are present, presented. We need to make the game um, uh, easier to understand. I think both sides realised that uh, the most errors uh, were probably made when the player was lifting and dropping 
their ball, um, either under free relief or um, under penalty relief. And uh, so how could we make that um, easier, easier to complete? So we got rid of the redropping rule. So we only have one one time when we actually have to redrop it, and that's if it comes outside of the relief area. So that was a, a large amount of, of simplicity. And then it was agreed that we would use um, the current English of today. So um, that was the general idea. Uh, and we felt that initially the rules could be perhaps reduced in, 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 shall we say, size of book or number of pages, number of words um, by a significant amount. And some people were actually saying almost 60 percent. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that that was um, actually how we ended up um, because a few things were being added in at the end, which obviously required uh, to be in there. Um, but I think it's a, it's an excellent job. The one new uh, form in it, within the rules themselves is if you if you look at your your uh, rules book, this is the players edition, the smallest one of the two. The one that you and I use, Steve, is, is the full rules of golf, which is the slightly larger version. This one's predominantly for the for the clubhouse for people to refer to later. And this is the one that we would normally take on to the, the golf course. Um, at the start of each rule, it's it's actually got the the purpose for the rule. Uh, so it, it kind of explains uh, why that rule is there. Just gives you the, the, the bare bones of it so you can understand um, where it's coming from. I think that's a very, very good thing. It doesn't give you all of the answers, but it gives you, it points you in the right direction. And then you can follow through the rule from there on in. And uh, provided you know the definitions, you will have no further problems. But you, you said it yourself, the rules are, um, uh, uh, they are complicated. Yes, they are. Even this, this, this new set of rules that we have. There are less penalties in 2019 than there were in 2018. That is a delight for me because um, I've always spent my life trying to um, get players to avoid getting penalties. And so if an awful lot of them remove from the rules of golf, that's half my job done. And uh, so that was um, that was useful. And, uh, you know, it was <laughs> I remember when if you hit yourself with your golf ball, say you were in a bunker and you hit the lip and came back. And so it used to be two shots. And uh, so you got a two shot penalty. You know, you're going to end up in a pretty bad place. And, uh, you know, how bad is that? So it was reduced a few years ago to one. And then someone said, well, do we actually need a penalty for this? You know, because the player is going to end up in a pretty bad spot not not very far from where he's standing or she's standing so it was agreed that that penalty could go altogether so that those are positive changes the other thing that uh, the rules bodies wanted to do and you, you've referred to um the official guide uh which is which is this booklet here the very big one that is 
Um, it looks as if it's loose leaf. It's not. It's just a ring binder, uh, which doesn't let you take the pages out. Uh, but it's a very interesting book um, because we now have uh, a number of, uh, they used to be definition, uh, sorry, beg your pardon, uh, decisions on the rules of golf. Um, and they have been vastly reduced um, to um, really uh, a much smaller number. That was kind of going about against what I felt as a as a referee we should have. But um, it was. The more I thought about it, I thought, yes, this is probably the way to do it. If we can make the rules more understandable, then we don't need so many what used to be decisions now, interpretations. Um, and so it's possible in this book, this new book here, to have the full rules and the reduced number of interpretations and then follow it about a full third of the book with information to help you. In other words, a committee often need guidance, in other words, to set up the golf course, to arrange the entry forms for their competition, uh, how to, to make a, 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 a test of golf fair for all players. And all of that is in the back of this book. So that's absolutely fantastic information and it's all there in the official guide. Along with the local rules as well, which I use all the time, the model local rules as the rules secretary um, at my club. So um, I've taken your advice, John, or we've taken your advice. We've, we've read the definitions and now we're coming to the 24 rules and we're looking for a way to get into these because sometimes, as you'll know, being an expert in them, um, different rule numbers refer to different situations and they sometimes come back on each other occasionally. Um, but there are always common situations, aren't there, that golfers find themselves in. I mean, you've talked about, you know, the, the teeing area, for example, but there are common situations that we find ourselves in, aren't there, um, when we hit a ball into a penalty area, for example. So, I mean, how would you advise players who are looking to improve their rules knowledge to get over that hump? I mean, would you suggest that they concentrate on the areas that are most that are most frequent and most often, through example, the player's guide, or should they just dive straight in and have some late night candle study? No, no I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that because I, um, uh, unless you are extremely interested in the rules of golf, I, I have a feeling it, it, it's not an easy read. Definitions, yes. Definitely fully supportive. Read those, understand them. Then if you really want to have a look at, uh, at the rules of golf, almost imagine yourself starting from the first tee and ask yourself the questions and then see if you know the answer. Do I know that answer? Do I know where to tee the golf ball? Yes, I do. But where do I find it? The rules book and then look it up. Go to the index of the rules and now where would that be and find that? And then you hit your 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 tee shot. Let's say you hit it out of bounds. Um, how do I know it's out of bounds? Well, your uh, definition has told you what out of bounds is. Uh, and you know that there is a boundary on the whole. It tells you on the local rules of, of the club. 
and it also uh, reinforced it in the um, defined terms in the rules book. So you've hit it out of bounds. What do you do then? I think most people know and normally refer to as three off the T or stroke and distance. That's exactly what it is. Yes, you give yourself a penalty and you tee up and go again. So most people know that rule. Most people know where to tee it up. Most people know what to do if they hit it out of bounds. If you hit it down the middle of the fair, most people don't know what to do when you hit it straight down the middle of the fairway because that rarely happens. Um, but um, certainly I didn't. Um, but it, if you if you hit it straight down the middle of the fairway, you're you you roll into an old divot. Um, you think to yourself, well, I should I should have relief from this, you know, because someone's caused this this nasty dirty hole in the middle of the fairway and they haven't put the divot back. And um, all I will tell you is it's unlikely that you'll find anything in the rule book which will tell you you can get relief from that. That's something we as golfers have to accept as part of the challenge of the game. In other words, you, you kind of play the course as you find it. However, the committee might have, because of the general conditions of the golf course, put on something like preferred lies. So you might have hit down the middle of the, the, the fairway and you've rolled into this divot and you might be lucky enough because there's a local rule to save you and you can move your golf ball. So sometimes the rules can help you. And I think most people who play golf understand those first three examples. Let's say then you hit your next shot from the divot, if there's no preferred lies or from that beautiful lie just next to the divot, into the greenside bunker. Do people know what to do in a bunker? I think most people know you. You shouldn't be touching the sand uh, around the ball. And um, so how do we understand that? We understand that because we've watched other people do that. Now find it in the rules book. And you'll find there is a rule dealing with bunkers and it tells you in there what you can do. Um, so you, you, you're kind of getting a picture here. You play from the bunker, you knock it onto the green. There's a rule covering putting green. Um, as you said before, and you've alluded to, Steve, you're quite right. The rules are complicated and they have to be because we, we deal with an enormous area. And that's absolutely true. An awful lot of things can happen in that area. We share the area as golfers with an awful lot of insects, an awful lot of animals, an awful lot of birds. Um, and it's their home. We're just lucky enough to be able to play golf there. So we have to be respectful of, of that. Um, so be careful what you're doing around um, living things around there. Yes, you can remove loose uh, um, ants and things like that. Um, you can remove some of the things that they leave behind, um, you know, maybe some heaps or whatever, uh, as kind of loose impediments, you can move them away. But because that's been made by something that lives on the golf course, then it's something that kind of has every right to be there, in fact, more so than you. So if you move that away and your ball moves, then unfortunately it's going to be a penalty for you because really, you know, you shouldn't have moved that. You can under the rules, but, you know, 
Yeah, you, you kind of have to be very, very careful when you're moving that. You can only move enough, and if your ball doesn't move, you're fine. But if the ball moves, add one, put the ball back. So you get the picture, an awful lot of people know rules, but it's the understanding of those rules. Start with the with the definitions, then peek in and out of the rules book. You know, don't sit down and read it from rule one through to twenty-four. I think I, I think you'll get pretty fed up by around about rule fifteen, and you'll you'll probably probably uh, go on to something else and think, no, these rules are stupid. They're not. They are a little bit complicated, but just go in there and try and find things. So create a situation, then try and find it in the rules book, and you'll learn a lot more that way than trying to learn it almost parafashion. Yeah, uh, very interesting stuff there, John. I mean, obviously, we're learning through experience then. We're experiencing it out on the golf course, and then we're going back into the rule book to see if what we did was correct and learning from that if, if it wasn't the case. There are... Um, certain rules um, that I think we could all agree that that golfers do get a bit confused about. Uh, nearest point of complete relief is obviously one. Um, you know, uh, back on a line relief, where to where to drop, for example, when your ball goes into a penalty area is is another. Golfers are always trying to do the right thing here. I mean, the vast vast majority of golfers are trying to play within the rules and want to play within the rules. So how can they make those specific situations a bit easier for them to understand because i know as a referee um lifting a ball without marking it to identify it's another one isn't it that just just hits golfers time and time again whether they're top class amateurs or whether they're club players so what can they do to um to get it to stick in the head when they're out on the golf course okay principles um uh, principle if you lift your ball and you're going to be required to replace it or might be required to replace it you must mark the position of the ball before you lift it. And the rules tell you that if you don't do it in that way round, it will cost you a stroke penalty. In other words, you, you say, I'm, I'm just going to lift this. You don't even have to say that anymore. But if you just happen to tell your playing partner who's interested and you lift the ball first, then put the marker in, that's a one stroke penalty. Marker in first, then lift ball. Now, that is that is a guiding principle within the um, within the rules of golf. So if you remember that, that's a very, very good start. You will see and you would have seen on, on TV when the professionals um, get to drop their ball, that they will start putting in a lot of tee pegs. Now, the vast majority of those are not necessary, but they're just there to assist the player to give him some idea visually of where his dropping relief area happens to be um, but none of them are actually required under the rules to be put in that that area we would say it's a good idea to do so but you're not required to do so so that's worth bearing in mind so we would advise you to do it but don't get so hung up on the fact that, oh, if I get that in the wrong place, that's going to cost me a penalty. It's not. It's not. It's all about getting the ball into the right place. Uh, lifting, dropping uh, and, and returning the ball to play. That's that that's that's something which is um, 
which is something I think we all should know in the unlikely event that we have to lift our ball. To, to be honest, an awful lot of people play uh, rounds of golf and they don't actually have to lift their ball apart from maybe on the putting green if they want to clean it. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's something that doesn't happen too often, but when it does, you, you, you really need to know what you're doing um, so that you don't get it wrong. Admittedly, under the, the the new rules, it's difficult to get it wrong and play the ball from a wrong place. And, and, and if you bear in mind, that's the only time you're going to get penalised. Obviously, if you don't mark, if it needs to be replaced, we know that one. But if you happen uh, to uh, be in an area where you're taking relief, either under penalty from a, a penalty area and you're dropping maybe two club, club lengths to the side from a red one, uh, into that two club lengths area, um, then as long as you get that ball in that area, that ball is going to be in play and you can hit it. And I think everybody's grasped the fact now that we're dropping from knee height. Admittedly, some people's estimation of knee height differs <laughs> along the way, um, but uh, as, as long as you, you make a good fist of it, then um, the rules are going to accept that and say, yep, you're okay. Your playing partner might say, you might want to get that a little bit higher or maybe a little bit lower in some cases. Um, and um, that's not going to end up in a penalty. It's just a, just a, a good bit of advice to, you know, maybe heed it in, and pay a bit more attention in future. Yeah. So, you, yeah. Do you, John, um, like the resurgence of interest that there appears to be in the rules at the moment, spurred by social media, I think? I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Um, people can be very reactionary on there and have certain views about um, whether a ruling is right or not. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on any of those kind of things. But do you like the fact that people are talking about the rules much more than perhaps they used to? Yes, um, I, I, I do find it quite interesting. Yes, people do do have an interest. Uh, a lot of it is driven by the commentators um, who who raise uh, almost a suspicious eyebrow uh, in their commentary at uh, the way a player is doing something. Uh, and it might just be that it's a change of the rule that the commentator wasn't aware of. Um, sadly, most of, most of them have, have been players and they haven't kind of, uh, not many of them have kept fully abreast of the changes in the rules of golf down the years. And, um, you know, when, when they were playing on tour, that was fine because they had people like myself and Andy McPhee to make sure that they were doing the right thing. Um, but uh, now they are just talking about the game. Um, I, I think there's one or two that could could probably benefit from doing a little bit of work with the rules uh, and 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 finding out what they're doing. I mean, I, we 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 should mention there there was uh, an issue with Patrick Reed uh, recently with a, with an embedded ball, and and to be honest, he he did a lot of things which were absolutely perfectly correct. And um, at the same time, Rory McIlroy uh, did the same kind of thing. Um, and um, because of things that Patrick Reed may have done in the past, uh, there was huge suspicion about the, the things that he did. 
and uh, which in fact I thought he did extremely well and I was very happy that he put his ball aside uh, when he lifted his ball you're allowed to uh, well you obviously know you can mark and lift your ball if you have reason to believe that you may be entitled to relief um, but you've got to have good reason to believe that in other words you think it's lying in a, in, in a animal hole um, or a bird hole something like that or uh, the ball's embedded and so you'd mark your ball first and that is one of the four times when you cannot clean your golf ball when you lift it so an awful lot of people just put the ball in the pocket well of course what happens when a ball goes into a pocket almost certainly it's going to be cleaned in some way so that's not a good thing uh to walk around with it holding it in your fingers like this is is very skillful but it can be quite tiring when you're trying to have a reasonable conversation with the referee who's attending for the embedded ball rule you might throw it to your caddy a caddy might forget what's happening he might not know the rule he might clean it so he set it down to one side away from everybody so it, it wasn't touched by anybody it just sat there so it couldn't be cleaned um he uh, he was accused of doing the wrong thing by doing that and, and i thought that was that was kind of unfair because I, I i would say that was a pretty sensible thing to do and i've seen people do that uh, when they've been asked to mark because their ball's in the way of somebody else's ball or their their um uh, line to the hole and that is a case if you're not on the putting green uh, again when you cannot clean the ball so you just mark the ball and move it out of the way and I've seen an awful lot of people just put it to one side obviously out of the eye eye line of the the player who's playing um, but it, it it stops you thinking or automatically cleaning that ball when you mustn't do and uh, so I think that's that's quite a good thing to do if if if, if you if you can't hold your ball like this um, for a few minutes um, while the player plays. So, um, yeah, uh, the point of this was um, the commentators weren't sure of the rule and what the player was doing. So they kind of uh, felt he felt he was doing something wrong because he also put the ball down, you know, away uh, from anything else. And they felt that was strange. So suddenly he's guilty by association. And 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 this is one of the very few times I've actually felt sorry for Patrick Reed. And um, you know, he was he was kind of taking uh, quite a lot of criticism when uh, really he probably shouldn't have done. Yeah, the other interesting point of that, of course, was um the commentary about him not calling in his playing partners or rules official before he marked and lifted that ball, which of course he doesn't have to do. But um, but but there's this idea sometimes, isn't there, about um, what the rule actually says and what we think it says and what we think it should say, obviously. Um, if I've got half an hour before a round um, and uh, I've got the player's guide in my hands because i think you know that's where you're going to point people in the first instance to the player's guide if i've got that half an hour 
what can I do to um, improve my rules? Which rules should I be looking at as I as I go out there onto the golf course? Um, you never really know what you're going to um, encounter. So I would say, again, it's the definitions. You know, keep keep up to date with those. Make sure that you understand those um, so that if you have a situation where you have to refer to a rule book, and to be fair, Steve, there are very few people who would refer to a rule book on the golf course. You would, I would. Um, and only because we've got a, a, a fair idea of where we're going to find the answer. Uh, not many other people would do it. Um, I have seen uh, pros try and do it in the, in the past. And uh, it, it's it's proved interesting. Uh, we, we do have a lovely excerpt from many many years ago with chris moody and peter baker and um and they were they were going through the rule book and, and actually they very nearly found the correct rule and it was all about the player was searching for his ball and suddenly it came out of a of, of a hidden lie and and suddenly appeared and the question was you know whether the player had moved it or whether the player was likely to have moved it with what he was doing and thankfully Andy McPhee arrived at the same time. I doubt whether they would have been able to answer the question, but they, at least they were looking in the right part in the rule book, uh, which 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 was a good thing. Um, but uh, no, I, I would say, yeah, read those definitions again. Just just cast your eye down them because it'll be a lot quicker um, and it'll give you more time to practice. Um. In these kind of uh, episodes, um, we usually ask uh, rules officials which rule of golf they'll change. I won't ask you that because I know you've got too much respect for how the rules were put together to answer it. And I know you'll deadpad me. You're nodding here um, for, for the listeners. So I understand this. But um, of, of those new rules, I mean, which are the ones that you like the best then? Which of the ones um, compared to how they were pre-night 2019 do you look at and you say, yeah, do you know what? That was a really good change. I think any um, accidental movement of the ball on the putting green, um, when your ball's on the putting green, if you, if you just happen to move the ball, there is no penalty. Just put the ball back. And um, even uh, if you, uh, even if the wind blows your ball, if you've lifted, if you've marked and lifted your ball and cleaned it and put it back, and thereafter, the, a, a strong wind comes along and moves your ball. You're going to be putting that back. Uh, the only time you don't, uh, and just be wary of this, is if you haven't uh, marked and lifted your ball and then put it back. Let's say you just leave it on the green. You don't touch it. If then a gust of wind comes along, then you will be playing it from the new position. Um, but every other time that you've marked and lifted it, you're going to be playing from the new position. But what I do like is the fact that there are no penalties. I mean, I, I can't tell you, Steve, a number of, of penalties that I've I've had to give players um, for the most minuscule movement um, of their golf ball. They even have to put it back again. I mean, that that's the galling thing. But all the time it was add one, add one. And if they didn't do that, it ended up being two strokes for playing for a wrong place. And it, uh, you just think, oh, my God. Well, now you just put it back in the same place 
and there's no penalty if you're on the putting green. But that's quite different when you move away from the putting green. Obviously, then you're still on the hook. If you make it move, it's only cost you a stroke, put the ball back and play on. Yeah. Um, congratulations, John, on your storied career. Um, it's been fantastic to chat to you. Um, all the best in the future with the uh, ambassador's role for the RNA. I mean, it's going to be great to see the new breed of referees that um, that get your help as they as they come onto our television screens and officiate at major championships. All I can say is best of luck in the future, John, and and, and thanks for joining us on the from the Clubhouse podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Steve, and all the best to you and your listeners.